You're listening to My Wedding Season, the podcast. I'm your host, Ida Glovic. I photograph intimate weddings and elopements in Europe. This is the show where I provide overwhelmed wedding photographers with the inspiration, tools, and resources needed to build a thriving brand and business. Welcome back to My Wedding Season, the podcast. This is actually the last episode of the year. I cannot believe that 2022 is already coming to an end. This is your official reminder that you can download My Wedding Season Planner 2023 completely for free right now. It officially launched on December 1st to my mailing list, but right now it's available to anyone. So you can find the link in the show notes if you want to be better organized, keep track of your client work and reach your goals. In 2023, this digital planner is going to help you do it. To get more information about it, you can also just go directly to my website, www.wedding-photography-podcast.com. I used it for this entire wedding season in 2022, and I can only tell you how much it helped me. And I believe that it's going to help you as well. If you have any questions, you can also write me an email or DM me all your questions on Instagram at Ida Globic. What a year it's been! I'm so excited to take time off during the holidays to just relax and spend some quality time with my family. But before all that, I'm excited to introduce today's guest to you. Hannah Gunnell is a photographer, videographer, and educator based in New England. Hannah reached out to me a few months ago to come on the podcast to talk about redefining the ideal client and how important it is to shift our perspective on this matter to avoid burnout. She also said that she'd love to talk about how the idea of a magical ideal client can create a culture of exclusion in the industry and cause wedding photographers to give their clients poor experiences. Needless to say, I was intrigued by this topic and definitely saw the value of having this conversation. I want to sidetrack a little bit right now to mention how well prepared Hannah was in pitching for herself to come on the podcast. I'm always happy to receive emails from photographers, creatives, and brands who are interested to get on the podcast. But at times, it is painfully obvious that some people haven't listened to a single episode or done any research. Therefore, their pitch is completely not in line with what this podcast is all about. This is to say, if you have an interesting topic that you want to talk about that could be aligned with this podcast and its listeners, this is an invitation to email me, ida at wedding-photography-podcast.com. Just make sure that you're well prepared. Before we jump into this episode, I want to wish you a wonderful time during the holidays and a lovely start into the new year. I'll be back in January with a guest that I can almost guarantee all of you know. I am so excited about it. It's going to be a good one, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you're notified as soon as the episode goes live. All right, let's get into it. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me. It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. So good. Hey, can we just start with you introducing yourself, saying where you're based, what you do, how long you've been doing it? And yeah, it's going to be a super casual conversation. I love it. Yeah. Um. So my name is Hannah Gunnell. I am the owner and one of the lead photographers at Ramble Free Photo Co. And we specialize in documentary style wedding photography. And we also do wedding films on Super 8 cameras and uh, vintage VHS camcorders. And uh, we have been around since 2016, and I've been doing this full-time since 2017. So it's been, it, it flew by 
we're based in New England. Um, I'm in Massachusetts, but we're available all over New England and the Northeast and worldwide. So that's us. Yeah. Who are you doing it with? Because I know you're saying we, I've been on your website just for the listeners. Who's your partner? So my partner, her name is Jess Nadolsky. She's one of our lead photographers and videographers here. Um, She's awesome. She's been with me since like six months after we opened. So yeah. Yeah. How did you get into business together? Like, um, were you friends before that? How is that working together? So actually she just emailed me in 2016 saying, Hey, I really like your work. Um, do you have any need for an assistant or a second shooter this year? And typically when people reach out to me, I maybe don't have the time to meet them or anything, but something about her email was really wonderful. And I said, Oh, I, I really want to meet this person. And so we went coffee and then she started out assisting me for weddings. And then it slowly just grew from there. Um, and we became really good friends as well, but yeah, just really got lucky that she reached out to me. Yeah. Like that's incredible that you even took that leap of faith because you know, it's, um, it's your business and just even taking someone on like that, it's, it says a lot about you and I love to hear it. So good. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So today we're talking all things ideal clients, how that is in our industry, right? It doesn't mean that it's all flowery roses and there's some negative aspects to this whole thing of ideal clients. You want to talk to us about that and how like photographers, the client experiences that they have right depending on the type of client they are serving we're gonna dig into it I want to give you the floor to to say what you want to say to that and then we'll take it from there yeah absolutely this is a topic that I'm really really passionate about just because I sort of myself have gone through a transition of you know thinking about an ideal client one way um, to a completely different way and changing my mindset around ideal clients really transformed my business. And I think a lot of us have been taught to think about ideal clients the wrong way in the wedding industry. But really this conversation between you and me got started a few months ago when I just on my Instagram stories posted a question that said, uh, you know, people who got married, what is maybe something that you regret from your wedding day? And I was really blown away by the number of responses of people saying, I really wish that I had hired a photographer who I felt like cared about me in my wedding. A lot of people felt like their photographer didn't care about their wedding, maybe thought it wasn't cool enough. And I just, that response made me really, really sad to hear because clients should not be made to feel that way by their photographer you know, and it also sort of just started a conversation about why this seems to be happening so much in the wedding industry and how we as photographers can prevent the client from feeling that way, you know, both from shifting our mindset around ideal clients, but also in some of our business practices to really prevent us from getting burned out on, on weddings or during a wedding season, because I think burnout is a really big reason why some clients probably feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. In addition, I think it's so important to talk about it. And I love Mm -hmm. that you were outspoken 
And um, I actually have written down the quote that made me respond to your stories at one point when you were addressing this topic, which I want to read out for the listeners so they can see where it's all coming from. So just give me one second. Sure. So this is in your words, Hannah. Why, as an industry and as artists, do we feel like people and wedding days are not worth our time and attention unless they fit into a certain aesthetic? Why do we feel like things have to be pretty and perfect to be worth documenting? When do we feel the need to sterilize and manufacture moments and make things into something the Instagram algorithm will like better? When did the truth become not good enough? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think the more that we talk about it, like some photographers, maybe they haven't even reflected on it and seeing mm-hmm. that, oh, there are people in the industry thinking about this and it just makes them reevaluate. I just think it's important. And that's also a way to make a shift in our industry, which is much needed, in my opinion. I totally agree. Yeah, I think and I, I'm not sure where it kind of started. But you know, I suspect social media had something to do with it. Because now our work is online and in front of an audience, you know, yeah. much more frequently than it was, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, even. But why this need to, like, if something isn't pretty, or you know, really curated or styled that we feel like we can't take a photograph of it. Like how on wedding days um, where we think we can't take a photograph of something unless it's perfectly lit, perfectly styled, unless everything is perfect and pretty. Um, Like for example, one time when I was taking a photograph of a dress that the bride really wanted to have, the planner came up to me and was horrified that I would be taking a photograph of her dress because the bride didn't have a special hanger to go with it. And the hanger was plastic. And to me, it was just like the bride asked for this photograph. If, if the plastic hanger is in it, that's the hanger that was in it. Um, and I think that we, as an industry are really sort of tempted to treat a wedding day, like it's a photo shoot. And I have something on my website that is that says basically my philosophy, which is weddings aren't about the photos. We want to have the photos, but the wedding shouldn't be about the photos. It's not a photo shoot. It's uh, an event where people are having interactions with the community that they've chosen to surround themselves with. And we should feel free to, you know, take a photograph of somebody having a really nice moment with their friend or their mom, even if there's, you know, Dunkin' Donuts coffee cups and a little bit of a mess behind them. Yeah. And when I took that pressure on myself to like something is only worth being documented if it's pretty, if it's clean, if I've styled it. And I said, no, if it's a meaningful moment, I'm delivering it to my client. And if it's not perfectly lit, if it's not, you know, technically perfect or have a clean background behind it, that's fine because it's about the moment and it's about putting myself in the mindset of what a client would feel is important on their wedding day that would, you know, really capture the way that they felt and the legacy that they and their family um, are leaving behind. The response from my clients you know, started getting different. I also think that I was a lot happier and more creative and less burned out in my business. Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, just 
thinking about, okay, where did it come from, right? We said social media. And, you know, I've been yeah. in the industry for a few years as well. And I've seen like, especially in the high times of Instagram, even though we're all still on Instagram, but when it was like booming at one point, what did we have? We had a lot of those feature accounts, right? And then there are a lot of mm -hmm. those wedding blogs and people want to be, yeah, featured. They're always submitting their work. And what are they yeah. expecting? Like, you know, they're really curating what they're putting out there and they're looking for the prettiest things and people want to grow their business and they want to, you know, there seem to be some expectations of like what should be presented. Yeah. So there was this huge push to be featured on these wedding blogs, these publications. And I feel like a lot mm -hmm. of people also gained a ton of followers in those early days of Instagram by showing these pretty things because pretty sells, pretty gains yep. attention, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's where people kind of got lost in the mix. And on the other side, I feel like, yeah, a lot of people who are also getting married felt like, oh, that's what my wedding photo should look like. So there's yeah. also a certain expectation from certain type of clients who want that kind of clean background aesthetic and that everything should look pretty and I'm not saying all the you know I'm just trying to find an explanation of where it all started where we as an industry found ourselves and you know like a lot of things shifted during the pandemic I'm sure a lot of people took time to reflect and also reevaluate mm -hmm. values right and I feel like I'm seeing more of a shift right now do you feel yeah. the same? <clears throat> I feel the same. And I totally agree. Like back in, you know, 2016, 2017, when I started out up to, you know, before the pandemic, even, I feel like there were so many wedding blogs and it was the dream to get featured on the wedding blog. And everybody yeah. was organizing styled shoots all the time. And I have nothing against styled shoots, but I think that the number of styled shoots that were, you know, being featured created unrealistic expectations for yeah. clients and unrealistic pressure and expectations for us as photographers that, you know, we weren't worth anything unless we were booking a wedding that looked like an elaborate style shoot. And it also just sort of skewed our priorities a little bit to, and, and I have nothing against any client who wants their wedding to look extravagant and a styled shoot, like, great. I will photograph it. That sounds wonderful. What I do think is a problem is when we as photographers, if we book somebody who that's not what they want, then we show up at the wedding and we go, oh, well, this doesn't look pretty. So, you know, it's not worth documenting. It's not worth doing my job, basically. But I do think that you know, the pandemic really sort of had a shift of what's truly important. And along with those, you know, smaller COVID weddings, yeah, um, we really, from being separated in our communities, I know at least for me, you know, I had a realignment of my values and how important the people I love are to me. And so I shifted my focus to just... I think collectively we shifted our focus sort of a little bit back to that, which is, I think, really great. <laughs> it is. So that is officially like you would say the turning point for you because you said before that the way you approached 
ideal clients was different compared to now. So can you give a tiny bit more insight <clears throat> to like what yeah. you saw your ideal client to be back then compared to now? Yeah. So I think back in 2016, 2017, you know, I sort of like a lot of other photographers fell into that trap of like, I want to be one of the cool people on Instagram. <laughs> right. I want to book all of these weddings that are, you know, have massive details and that's, what's going to be fulfilling to me. And I think back to 2019, which was a year that, you know, I booked, like I book about 25 weddings a year. They were all at, you know, beautiful venues with really, really gorgeous decorations and really talented vendors. And the clients were very, very nice, but I was the most burnt out that I've ever been and feeling as empty as I've ever, you know, felt in my work. And that's sort of what really prompted me to take a step back and say like, Hey, I'm supposedly living the dream. I have these clients who are doing these really cool weddings. Why does this feel so hard. And, um, you know, part of it was just workload, but I think a big part of it was for me, I realized that I really don't like styling things. I really don't like, you know, posing people heavily. It's not the work that I like to do. I don't like having to direct people. I just like being able to like sit back and be a fly on the wall and create weird little vignettes and show all of the facets of a wedding day, whether they're pretty or, you know, sometimes there's anxiety or sometimes things are really funny. Like people rip their pants on the dance floor. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> yeah. So for me, I just wanted to give myself the freedom to be able to document a wedding day in its wholeness without having to try to make, make it into something other than what it is. Um, if that makes sense. And so that's totally really, that's really when we shifted from um, how we had been advertising ourselves to a much more documentary focused approach. Um, and we redid our, our messaging because what I realized is I always had those photos in my portfolio. That's always what I wanted. Um, but it, it just, they just weren't the photos that I was, you know, featuring. I was very much featuring photos that I thought other people would like, and that Instagram would like, and then more people were, you know, wanting me to do that kind of work for them. And it just wasn't really where my, you know, heart was. In yeah, the work, so. because mostly it is true when they say you book what you show. And if you were yeah. showing that, that's what you're attracting more of. And then you're in that cycle, right? And I mean, yes. it's similar for me, like you said, you know, it definitely does not come naturally to me to do like flat lays of details. It actually no. stresses me out. So like when me too. every now and then, like a bride might be like, oh, I've arranged all these things. Like, can you lay them out? And then I'm just like, oh, okay, looking around, you know, and trying to find a spot. And it's just like, I'm like, this is, it's just also not important to me, you know? Yeah. I'd rather be capturing how you're just in the corner with your sister or your mom yeah. or something like it's those human connections that inspires me. Mm -hmm. And also like very similar to what you're saying, like for me, wedding days, I know a lot of people talk about, oh, it's one of my best, the best days of my life, da, 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 this kind of thing. I know it's out there and it may be for some people, but 
wedding days do come sometimes with some sort of sadness or you know anxiety like you said all these things and capturing all these different emotions that's so interesting and that's kind of like what makes every single wedding for me more unique than the than the others right because yeah. mostly the timeline is similar from most of the weddings mm-hmm. or like what you're doing that kind of stays the same and it's like um I don't know it doesn't get my juices going and like just seeing your work really speaks to me because I feel like that's the type of thing I'm really into and I feel like a lot of our industry yeah I don't I don't want to say a lot but I see there are people who are still stuck in this whole hey I just want to produce something really pretty and Mm -hmm. that's it right yes I agree which you know at the end of the day somebody can want to do different work than me. Like I have who love styling details and are really, really good at it. And that's great. But I think there's a difference between liking to photograph, you know, pretty things and valuing people based on, you know, how much pretty stuff they have at their wedding. Like I remember very distinctly a wedding back in 2019. And this was a big wake up call for me where it was a lovely wedding. You know, everybody was really, really present on the day and I had been really enjoying shooting it. And towards the end of the night, the bride actually, when I was with her for a moment said, oh my gosh, Hannah, thank you so much for being here. I'm so sorry. We're not cool. Like your usual couples are. So I'm really, you know, and that like really hit me in the gut. And I realized that something about the way I had been messaging and presenting myself online had made this bride feel like she wasn't cool enough to be my client or that I didn't value her, her wedding. And so that was one of the things that really made me take a step back and say like, what are we doing? This is not, we should not as an industry be making people feel this way. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like super new to me when you, you know, were mentioning like clients being disappointed by their photographer Mm -hmm. and may, you know, being made feel not as worthy, you know? Yes. And this is also like, also I've heard like there's some photographers who might, let's say, take on a wedding and um, the couple's from a different culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's say from India, just as an example. And um, their traditions are different. The way they do things is is just different, right? And like the photographers are just, they're so not culturally aware. So they don't do the wedding justice. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like, if you're not going to do it justice, don't take on the booking. Yeah. Because it's not fair. Totally. I agree. I think that, you know, one of the things about being a business owner is that we have the ability to pick and choose who we're going to work with, which on the one hand is great. But on the other hand, like if you just can't see yourself getting excited about a wedding that some, then you really are doing yourself and the couple a disservice taking on that work and then showing up and being like, like every wedding that we book, I, you know, want to know that I am going to go into the wedding, you know, giving it my best effort, Yeah. you know, regardless of what the centerpieces look like, regardless of what the, you 
decorations and the people's fashion looks like. Right. Um, yeah, I just, and I, I think part of that is again, really taking a look at how we structure our businesses and making sure that we are, you know, charging enough money so that we're not really overextending ourselves with the number of weddings that we book, you know, making sure that we know how much we actually need to live. So we don't, you know, hopefully find ourselves in a position where we have to, we feel like we have to take work that we're not excited about. And then also really, really getting straight in our minds what we love to do in terms of wedding photography. And I think that this is where the perception and how we've been told to talk about and determine our ideal clients has really sort of gone astray. You know, when I was first taught about ideal clients, I, you know, and even if you Google it now, there are so many questionnaires online that are That's like, true. where does your client shop? Where, what activities do they like to do? You know, stuff like that. And that information does end up being valuable in marketing because we need to find our ideal clients. Yeah. That's the distinguishment I wanted to talk about. Like, you know, it's how much are you narrowing down and how are you actually finding the right fit clients? I love saying right fit because I feel like it's more descriptive, but go ahead. It is more descriptive. It is more descriptive. And I love that because I think the word ideal puts everything on the client um, and nothing on us. And I think when we're talking about our right fit clients and we're saying primarily first, like, okay, how do they dress? Do they wear, you know, this certain brand? Do they love orchids or something like that? (laughs) We're creating a very shallow, like surface level idea of who we want to work with. And to me, when we're trying to find out who our right fit clients are, what we need to do is like, find out how it comes from us, you know, figure out what kind of work that we love to do that really lights us up. And I can almost guarantee you that it's not, you know, only taking pictures of a certain style of wedding decoration at its core. So for me, it was that whole, I want to be a fly on the wall. I want to have moments that are not manufactured. Um, I have friends who, you know, they're much more into like fashion photography and they want to create, you know, editorial portraits on wedding days and they want to work with clients who want that. Um, So we still end up finding the right fit client for us. And my right fit client might be different from hers, but it's not, we're not defining it by like, okay, well, her, her ideal client likes to wear Vera Wang dresses and mine likes to wear, you know, a different brand because that ends up being really empty. So something that surprised me, I know when I sat down to think about it was how much inner work and like self-reflection actually we should be doing when we are talking about finding the clients that are the best fit for us. We talk too much about them and what they need to do for us. And really we need to be talking about what we need to do, what we love to do first. Yeah. And it's a process. Like, I don't want anybody to feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're just going to wake up tomorrow and you can just write it down and you know it. I feel like at times, 
it could also evolve in certain ways, right? Like, absolutely, you know, life changes, your circumstances change, how you view things change, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can always mm-hmm. make those adjustments. But I totally agree that looking inwards is the way to actually find it. And then you're more aligned, right? And photography yeah. is so personal, it's individual, that like the more aligned you are, and the more you can speak to that, you can really start to reach the type of people who also value what you value right I think yeah. it's about putting it out there and like I love your website and the copy like I was actually super impressed how clear it is and oh, thought out you. it's super good like do you did you actually get a copywriter or were you able to do it with just like uh DIY it I wrote the majority of the copy myself. And then I have a friend who works in marketing and she helped me refine it and sort of, um, it was just really helpful to have a second eye on it. But I think for our uh, websites, because basically we're selling us as people usually is is our, is our brand. Um, I think it's really important to at least reflect on what, and have that come from you rather than having a copywriter, um, you know, write all of it for you and decide what your messaging is going to be. Yeah. And I particularly like the part where I know, especially if uh, a few years ago, I felt like every other photographer was talking about how they're storytellers, which was yes. confusing for me for a long time. I didn't really know what that meant exactly Mm -hmm. of course I know the word storyteller but I just really couldn't grasp exactly what they mean by it and you do say like for you you don't see yourself as a storyteller more like a witness so if you can just speak a little bit to that that would be incredible yeah yeah I feel like storyteller was and still is one of those like marketing buzzwords that a lot of people used that like so many people have used it that it's kind of ceased to have a little bit of meaning but to me it never really resonated with me to say that I'm a storyteller because to me telling stories is like entails some level of okay I'm making up the story I'm creating the story and like yes we're creating work but I'm not these aren't this isn't my story to tell this is a client story to tell. And really, I'm just there to observe um, and document their story in a way that seems truthful to what it is and sensitive to what it is. And also, hopefully, you know, beautiful or interesting um, visually. So, yeah, I to me, this, the word storyteller implies some act of like creation or coming up with the story. And I never want to come up with my clients' stories. I want them to be able to feel like it's their story and I helped them document it. Absolutely. And like one thing that I've been playing around in my mind lately, and I'll just keep it within the world of weddings, but it extends to the entire world and other things is, you know, how regardless how much we try as photographers, we are actually never really able to tell the whole truth because whatever we show is what we are choosing to show, what we Mm -hmm. happen to have seen, what was Mm -hmm. included within the frame, 
and what we've yep. chosen to exclude out of the frame. So like, yes, essentially, it's actually impossible to really say that we have fully documented a wedding day because it is always predicated on our perspective and yes. our curation of it, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you and I, if we went on the same wedding, we we just won't deliver the same works. It just no. won't be. Even if we're both saying, you know, we document weddings, we are not really intrusive, we are the fly on the wall, but what you're going to pick up, even if we're standing next to each other, what's going to catch your eyes is going to be different, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're still making choices. Yeah, yeah. I love that. We're still choosing what we include in the frame, what we ex exclude in it. And just logistically, I can't be present for all of the moments that are unfolding. Yeah. If I'm on one side of the reception, exactly. I'm exactly. going to be able to see what's happening there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, there is always going to be that acknowledgement that we can't, yeah, we can't tell the story of the wedding day. We can yeah. or document it fully. We can only sort of, you know, capture what our eye and what our, you know, mind is drawn to. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I feel like that is one of those things where when a client really values photography mm -hmm. in the sense and they're choosing the photographer for their day, they're choosing you and trusting, hey, you know what? I, I want my day documented through this person's yeah. lens, you know? And yep. I think that's kind of what makes people stand out. So like, you know, even when we talk about, hey, it's a saturated market, what is mm -hmm. photography? And I feel like, yes, actually the key is the more you look inward and you yeah. are you, the more unique you are and the more you can bring that out, they can only book a certain Hannah to do what she does yeah. or something. And I think that's fascinating. There's just so, I feel like there's more to unpack there, which has just been on my mind because I feel like that's the direction more and more people should be going. And just yeah. my opinion, nobody has to do anything that I say. I'm just saying yeah. like, it's just interesting. Of know. course. Yeah, I totally agree because at the end of the day, I'm me and you're you, and we can't be anybody other than who we are. So one of the most powerful things that you can do for your branding and for your clients and yourself is just to lean into who you are and your eye and the way that you perceive and want to document the world. Um, yeah. I, I think that's totally amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's, who, it's who you are. And we need to be putting more of that into our branding and into our work and, yeah. So like to help our listeners, we're like, okay, this sounds all go good and dandy, but how do I get <laughs> there? Like, how does one get more self-aware? Like, what were the steps you took? Were you the type to journal? Do you have any tips to kind of help people along this journey? Yeah. So I think that, you know, first of all, you just have to have that moment of like, oh, okay, I've been, mm -hmm. you know, just becoming aware and saying, oh, yeah, I do want to put more of myself and more of what I'm really, really passionate about into my work. I think that that's a great first step, because as soon as you start looking at it through that, 
you're going to automatically be saying like at a wedding, like, oh, what? Oh, I really loved that part of the day. Um, and once you start making those connections, I think naturally a big part of the picture will start to unfold. Like for me, I know as soon as I said like, oh, what part of a wedding day do I actually love? I realized it wasn't the portraits. Like it wasn't the couple's portraits. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge turning point for me. I also like, this is, you know, just mental health wise, self-discovery wise, anything. If you have access to a good therapist, mm. um, I, I think for me, you know, therapy and just having somebody to reflect back to you, what you're saying is, um, a really, really helpful thing. I also, I do love journaling because for me, I feel like when I write something down, it yeah. sticks in my brain more. So Absolutely. yeah. So I think something really helpful for me or for other people like that is, you know, after a wedding, maybe when you're calling photos or, you know, something like, like that, sort of writing down what parts felt really wonderful to you. Um, I, and, and then I think when you can go back and, and read, okay, this felt wonderful. This felt wonderful. This maybe not so much. You'll start to see similarities in what you're being drawn to from wedding to wedding. Um, I also ended up, especially this year, um, I ended up hiring a business coach for me. That was also a really game changing thing because okay. I feel like sometimes as entrepreneurs, it can be really lonely. We're usually by ourselves or working with one other person. It can feel like the weight of all of these decisions rests only on us. And I'm a very social person. So hiring a business coach and just somebody to be like, Hey, does this sound crazy or not? Right. And somebody to sort of help guide my thought process and distill down all of the ideas that I had into like, okay, this should be your brand. This is what we should really lean into in terms of the messaging that was immensely helpful. So uh, again, I think that if you have access to a business coach or you're able to do that, it's like super valuable. And if you find the right one. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's one of the things, right? Um, there, I've heard stories of people hiring business coaches and didn't really turn out how they wanted. So, like, yeah, um, really taking firsthand maybe recommendations from friends in the industry is probably mm -hmm. the way to go. I would say instead of just relying on like how they look on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I think firsthand, you know firsthand recommendations. That's how I hired my first business coach. And then she actually, my first business coach directed me to my second one. And yeah, just finding people in the industry that you trust and look up to and seem to have the same philosophy as you. If one of them worked with somebody, there's probably a good chance that you'll also resonate with them. I also would definitely recommend. I feel like any business coach who agrees to coach you without like first having a phone call with you um, would be a red flag. Like definitely I would want to do a discovery call, an exploration call, and then just sort of being as candid as you can be on that call about what you want to get out of it. Um, and then also I think if you're going to hire a business coach, it helps to have concrete goals and like a really good idea of what you're hoping to get out of the experience. 
Um, because, and again, that requires doing the groundwork of sort of having some self-awareness and knowing sort of where you want to go to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And you do offer coaching, right? I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk a little bit about like what you offer just in case people are interested in working with you. Yeah. So I offer primarily one-on-one coaching and mentoring. It's usually a six-week program. And really the coaching is tailored to what somebody wants to get out of it. Um, One of the things that I love in my business is making sure that you have a good grasp on like all of those not fun stuff, things that we as creative entrepreneurs tend to be like, I don't want to do, you know, accounting. Yeah. I, I don't need to know. Fun I want to stuff. <laughs> yeah. So an area where I specialize is doing that sort of thing, like finding out cost of doing business and how much you should be charging and really setting those concrete numerical goals, um, for yourself, just because I think that that's another way where, again, we can really make sure that we're enabling ourselves to only pick clients that are aligned with us and our vision. Yeah. And, um, I also specialize in teaching photographers who want to learn videography, um, and add that to their business video. Um, we added that to our business and it ended up being a really powerful thing and something that a lot of clients really loved for us. So those are my two specialty areas, but yeah, basically anything that anybody wants to talk about. If I feel like I can, I'm qualified to speak on it. We can (laughs) can go over. So good. And when you talked about video, you mentioned earlier, like you only do super eight. Was that, Mm -hmm. you took that up, right? Yes. Yeah. We only do super eight and VHS, um, going forward. We actually used to do full digital video and I still love to do that, but, um, there was just something about when we started adding super eight, I just got really, we both just got really a lot more excited about those films. And so again, we took a step back and this is evolving and we get to evolve our businesses. And we said, I think we should only be doing this if this is what we are really, truly excited about on a wedding day. Oh, I love it. Hey, everybody check out their work because I just love everything you're doing. You're so talented. Thank you. And Jess, of Thank course. You so much. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. I just want to, yeah, go back to this whole topic of like ideal clients. Mm-hmm. And um, let's talk about, okay, there are, a lot of photographers, they enter the industry, right? They're like, okay, be, becoming a wedding photographer sounds good. They perhaps book like content days, which seems mm-hmm. to be quite popular, right? Get like all these styled shoots and build up their portfolio in that sense, right? Pretty websites. Nowadays, you can get everything done and set up, right? So yeah. A potential client comes across their work all they see is like this pretty work you know the couples they see look good everything looks super professional yes this is the person I need on my wedding day right Mm -hmm. book them wedding day comes and goes but they got married let's say in um difficult lighting situation and it was a hectic day and all these things happen and this photographer is actually not experienced with weddings Mm -hmm. so what happens in most cases what they deliver does not live up to what they showed 
let's talk about it. What What do you want to say to photographers? It's not like they're ill-willed and want to yeah. do their clients dirty. They just want to grow mm-hmm. rather quickly in the industry and earn, right? Um, yeah, let's talk about it. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that that's something that is a real problem in our industry right now and is bad both for clients and for photographers. Because also, how disappointing would it be to be like, I want to get into wedding photography and to go to all these content days and get an idea in your head from these content days that this is what a wedding is going to be like. When the reality is, and anybody who has done weddings knows, the reality is anything can happen at a wedding. Doesn't matter if it's destination or luxury, it can still run really late. Weather can still go really bad. Lighting can be, you know, absolutely bananas. So I don't think that anybody should be, you know, really advertising themselves as a professional wedding photographer until they have done things like maybe assisted an established wedding photographer and second shot for established wedding photographers, both for the client. And so you get that experience of how to navigate these difficult situations and for the photographer, because if I know I assisted um, somebody who ended up being one of my mentors for a year before I started my business. And I feel like when I went into my business, I actually had a really good idea of what photographing a wedding actually is like, or Mm. can be like, how to project manage a wedding and how to set expectations for our clients. This is another thing that I think we need to be sure that we're really being transparent with our clients, not not um, presenting a content day or a styled shoot as an actual wedding day in our portfolios. And, you know, acknowledging the reality of like, I can't make your venue look like a completely different place. If you don't like your venue or the way it looks, it's going to be in the photos, like things like that. Um, Yeah, I think that's really, really important. Totally. You know, like I just came across a TikTok a few weeks ago, and I'm sure other people in the industry as well. So I'm not going to name names, but um, it was a bride who's, who was claiming she got catfished by her photographer mm. and just sharing the gallery of like what what was delivered. There's um, there's just talk about if she's actually showing the edited or raw version of the photos but like what was more interesting for me is was the comments from a lot of people like Mm. it went pretty viral and there were just really a lot of people who said they were disappointed by their photographer because really what they saw isn't is nowhere close to what they got of course the venue is different and everything but it was clear that the photographer lacked experience you know yes and I think it's so sad like um yeah what advice do you have for newcomers really newcomers in terms of like um the type of education they should be looking at yes you did talk about like second shooting and everything but like um what should they be aware of um not to fall into this trap because I really don't think it's malicious from people I just think they just get caught up yeah no absolutely not I don't think it's malicious at all I think people just want to have content and they feel like they can't be a wedding photographer unless they have, you know, work to show to have people hire them and styled shoots are like what's available to them. But 
Yeah. For newcomers, I would say, you know, in addition to assisting and second shooting, which I think is really, really valuable when you're investing in education, there is a lot of education and stuff that you can spend money on that's around, you know, generating content, make sure that you're not spending all of your money on that because this is these, these weddings are not the same as a styled shoot. And I think that the best, one of the best things that we can do for as newcomers is to recognize that that's not the case. You know, make sure that you're, start documenting your life and start documenting your life in less than ideal wedding, um, not wedding conditions, less yeah. than ideal lighting like conditions. conditions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and weather conditions and with like a lot of chaos happening. And make sure that you know how to take a photo, not just in perfect light with gentle backlight and like a gorgeous dress. Mm-hmm. Um, focus more on looking at normal everyday situations and saying what's interesting about what's happening in front of me to me, and then making a competent photograph of that. I would also say when you start booking clients, definitely be aware of the work that you're presenting versus what the client is asking for. So like if you only have natural light stuff in your portfolio and a client is getting married in, you know, a warehouse venue with lights, make sure that you're telling this client like, Hey, my photos are in the forest. This is what, uh, something that's shot in a warehouse might look. Um, don't be afraid to send people full galleries and be transparent about what your work looks like in its entirety. Um, if you're afraid to send clients full galleries, then I think, you may need to, again, just like take a step back and try to figure out how to photograph things in less than ideal conditions in a way that makes you proud and secure in your work. Um, But yeah, send them full galleries and try to send them full galleries of weddings that are happening in a similar circumstance. Because we all know that like a wedding in a dark Catholic church is going to look completely different than a wedding like outside at golden hour so don't send the church wedding the golden hour wedding um I agree with Hannah just 100 percent and I feel like it is part of setting those um, expectations for your clients and really also Mm -hmm. explaining to them like whenever I have client consultations before they book I I kind of really go through those moments in the day that I know could be a bit tricky like you learn that mm-hmm. with time, right? And really pointing it out. And I love having things written down, like, especially if I feel like, oh, something might be problematic later on after the wedding, like in the initial, in these emails, I kind of put it there as a side note. Hey, we yes. talked about this because I can't have them coming back disappointed on something we already knew ahead of time, right? Yeah. Definitely, definitely. That is a great tip to document all of the, you know, tips that you gave your client and the times when you said, Hey, in order to create my best work, this is the amount of time that I need for portraits or, you know, things like that, because always document that in writing so that you have a record of when they come back. If they completely ignored your recommendation that you need at least half an hour for couples portraits and you had 10 minutes and now they're like, the other galleries you sent had way yeah. more couples portraits. You can say, yeah, you 
you know, we decided that this wasn't a priority for you. And I told you that there would be fewer couples portraits or, you know, make sure that hair and makeup runs on time to the best of your ability, because if it doesn't and our timeline gets shrinked, you're going to have less, you know, fewer portraits. I think that's such a good tip. Yeah, totally. And another thing is like, we talked about practicing in, you know, not ideal uh, light situations, you know, how to use your camera, really, really learn your camera, yes. please. Yes. Read your cameraman. <laughs> yeah. It's not fun, but you need to do it. Yeah. Or YouTube, whatever you need to do. But another thing like yeah. weddings, I really feel like half the game is um, dealing with people. You just yes. deal with so many different types of people and somehow mm -hmm. As a photographer, we're in a position where we got to get things kind of moving along, you know, um, yes. and really, yeah, it, it's one of the things that you learn. But like when you're new, I mean, you're not really exposed to it that much. But are there other ways photographers can like put themselves in situations to kind of learn, you know, a bit more how to deal well with people? Like, are there other types of photography jobs they might be able to take on before step like? Do you have any yeah. ideas? I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, cause I, I completely agree with you. I think knowing how to manage people is one of the most important things. And it's so important to having happy clients. I always tell people that at the end of the day, even if you take the most beautiful photos that have ever been taken at a wedding, if you made your client feel yeah. crappy oh, yeah. throughout their wedding, <laughs> like, yeah. And you deliver those photos, you're already going in without them giving you the benefit of the doubt. Like they're already going to look back and remember how you made them feel. People will yeah. always remember how you made them feel. Um, I think, so I think that that's really, really a great tip to try to practice. Um, I think family sessions could be a good way to sort of navigate, you know, sessions with multiple people, people because yeah, those are personal that. things. Yeah. So that, um, I also think that if there are any, if you've never done event photography, there are usually events like, you know, um, corporate gatherings and things like that, that will ask for, you know, have a budget to hire photographers and maybe start doing some of those jobs because they'll have a ton of people, big crowds. I know it doesn't sound glamorous, but also wedding photography is a lot of times not glamorous. Like yeah. we're photographing speeches and like groups right. and things like that. Yeah. So I think that that could be a really great way to get practical experience with how to navigate a timeline and a lot of people's different competing interests and, and things like that. Yeah. yeah. But families, anything where people, you have to interact with multiple people at once. Oh yeah. I love it. Hey Hannah, I want to make sure that we really, really go into how this magical ideal client can create a culture of exclusion in the industry. Let's talk about exclusion and inclusion. Can you speak to that? Because I mean, I love how, you know, you talk about say on your website, for example, that everyone's welcome here. Let's talk about that type of inclusion as well. If you can touch on those topics. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, you know, I think that we touched a little bit on how, you know, this ideal client idea has created a culture of exclusion and like people just basically making people feel like their weddings are not cool enough. Um, mm -hmm. I also think that it just, you know, it goes far beyond that because a lot of our, you know, if we're 
using social media engagement as one of our litmuses for how successful we are. Like we have to look at the ways in which those social media, um, you know, apps dictate and, you know, exclude and include people. So like, for example, there are statistics that if you have a same sex couple, um, you'll probably get about 50% less engagement, you know? So I think we just, again, really need to be intentional about this is not going to be the way that I define my success by Instagram or by what that app is, because we then are valuing people by basically how much an algorithm that has, you know, prejudices built into it, basically, like people who are not thin, people who are not, you know, conventionally considered attractive, which, you know, I don't think that that's real, but like people who are, you know, different races or who are are having weddings in a non-Western cultural tradition, like they might be, you know, penalized on the algorithm for that. And, and I, yeah. So if we're going to overcome these things, in society, we basically have to stop letting these algorithms influence what we're going to post and just post what we love and what we're drawn to and the full breadth of the clients that we serve, no matter what Instagram is, you know, no matter how many Instagram likes we get on it and things like that. Yeah. And it's just also exactly comes to working on our mindset where we're actually when the moment we book clients once they're booked in we should be serving our clients and doing right by them that's it yes you know you have to be committed fully is what I believe you know what I mean for me like social media does not even cross my mind when it comes to clients because Mm -hmm. already the way I go into it is a lot of my clients like to keep their their weddings private and I actually like in full front say, hey, your weddings are super private. Only like sometimes I will ask, hey, can I share some images? Some are willing, some are not. And I say, if you don't want a single photo posted, like no problem. I'm not, no questions asked. You can just say no. Like, so the whole way my business is built with my husband is from the get go, we don't even assume anything's going to land on Instagram. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? That's just like our baseline. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you, whether or not something is going to be a piece in your Instagram feed or in your portfolio should have no bearing on the level of service that you're giving your client. Your client yeah. has, again, we talked about your client is trusting you for your unique eye, for the way that you see and document the world. And what an honor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what a letdown to them and to, you know, yourself to not realize what an honor that is and to not approach it with your full attention. Yeah. And I think again, too, it, it, that too comes down to sort of external versus internal, like the, the Instagram and all of that, like social media clout, that's all external validation. Yeah. And listen, I love attention. I love external validation. But if we're saying that we need that external validation to feel like we've created work that is valuable, we're going to end up excluding clients and really 
creating like a more empty perception of how we view ourselves and what we do. If, if we're looking at work and saying, yes, I love that. I did my best for that client. This image is beautiful. And it doesn't matter to me if the general public thinks it is or not. We're going to be happier. Our clients are going to be happier. We're going to feel more fulfilled in our work because we're not going to need some, you know, fickle algorithm or trend to tell us that we're, we're doing well. Yeah. And I just want to add to the fact that like you mentioned in the beginning of the episode about, you know, uh, trying to avoid burnout and having this capacity to do right by your clients. And I think yeah. that's something that we really need to pay attention to because I feel like just naturally there is a difference to like, okay, when the wedding season starts, normally we are pumped, we're ready to just take it mm -hmm. on, right? And then it could be that like August, September, October <laughs> roll around and we're a little exhausted, right? Yes. And there needs yeah. to be a way that we really build in rest in our wedding mm -hmm. season that we every wedding we go to like it is really their special day right that yeah. we are excited to be there and we have the energy to be there so that yes. we can actually give our all so I feel like people really need to be intentional about hey how are you sustaining that level of energy ability creativity throughout the wedding season and not that you just have in the beginning and it just dwindles down and you're just all dreading the next one and dragging your feet to it and we need to consider mm -hmm. that and really be fair to all our clients I really feel like that needs to be also yeah. in the forefront yeah I completely agree and that means you know making sure that we know our limit on weddings. I have friends that shoot like 40 or 50 weddings a year yeah. and they're like jazz <laughs> for all of them. Amazing. And I feel like if I go over like 15, then I start to get just really tired. Just my capacity for them is lower. So I'm not going to book 40 weddings. Yeah. And then I also just think it's, you know, again, setting expectations and realistic boundaries with our clients and recognizing that just because we own a business, doesn't mean that we always have to be working. And I, you know, it's something that is still a struggle for me, like yeah. setting working hours, you know, when I'm with my family and friends, not feeling guilty and, and knowing that I deserve to take that time, but just being really intentional about building a business that is, you know, supportive of the lifestyle that you need to have to remain creative and excited about the work that you're booking, which again, I know like assumes a lot of privilege and um, yeah. is easier said than done. But I just think that if we all put more energy into how we can do that instead of like, how can I take a pretty photograph of a gigantic floral installation? Um, we'd all be you know, significantly better off and our clients would be significantly better off. Hannah, so good. I think like that's the perfect spot to end this conversation unless you have some more to add because I feel like we've wrapped it up. We've gone through so yeah. many different aspects of it, which is beautiful. I'm so glad we had this conversation because I feel like it's a conversation that needs to be had. And I'm glad that you prompted it Thank you for like sharing all, you know, these insights because it's been helpful. It's just something that just should keep, uh, you know, we just want to get better as an industry. We want to do better. 
uh, we want to do better by our clients and everyone. So like, thank you so much for all that you do. And like, please tell all the listeners where they can find you. And if you have any offers that are aligned for our listeners, just share anything and everything. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me, Ida. It's been great to meet you and to chat. And I'm so happy that, you know, you're using your platform to talk about this stuff with people because it's, I I do think a conversation we need to have, but yeah, I'm Hannah. You can find my wedding photography at ramblefree.com. It's Ramble Free Photo Co. My Instagram is ramblefreehannah and I post a lot on there as well. And my coaching website is um, hannahgunnelgilmore.com. And um, if any listeners are interested in booking me, um, I would be delighted to offer them 20% off if they mention that they found me through this podcast. So that's amazing. Oh, that's so good. Thank you so much, Hannah. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of My Wedding Season, the podcast. To be notified as soon as a new episode goes live, make sure that you subscribe. I'd love for you to write a comment or leave a review. Let me know what you want more of. For the show notes, head on over to www.wedding-photography-podcast.com. Cheering you on and until next time.